the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello again and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. If you've been searching for a place to be spiritually fed, you have found it. Like you, we believe the Holy Bible contains the spiritual nourishment we need to become faithful servants God requires to help grow His kingdom here on earth. This program is part of an outreach ministry from Shepherd Church, located in Los Angeles, California. Our teaching pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with today's message. His mother Mary was pledged, which means that she was engaged, to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. The most important story in the history of the world begins with a young carpenter named Joseph who's engaged to a young girl named Mary who's a pretty good girl. And while they're planning their wedding ceremony, she shows up pregnant. Now we know that the Bible teaches us that Mary was impregnated by the Holy Spirit But Joseph doesn't know that at this point. All he knows is that his bae is pregnant. So Joseph considers all of his options. Joseph is a God-fearing man. He's a righteous man. He knows the law frontwards and backwards. But the law states, write this down, the law states that Mary should be stoned at worst and divorced at least you see joseph is in a horrible dilemma if he marries her others are going to assume that he was the one that got her pregnant out of wedlock and since he didn't know about the holy spirit impregnating his wife at this point his response is really a normal response assuming she had been unfaithful to him so he planned to divorce her quietly which means he was going to do it under the radar either way write this down either way they would both feel shame Stoning her to death would have been deserving under the law. But being divorced for the crimes of passion would have been publicly announced to the entire community. Her reputation would have been ruined forever. So when you read in verse 19 that Joseph didn't want to expose her to public disgrace and he had in mind to divorce her quietly... What you draw the conclusion there is Joseph's a pretty good guy. He's trying to spare her from further shame and disgrace, but he's also trying to uh, save himself from shame. But then something supernatural happens. In the midst of big trouble, there's a big talk from an angel of God. And I want you to note that in the story you've got all this trouble and in the midst of all that trouble you have this 
big talk from an angel of God. And in the text, the angel talks about three things. I want you to write them all down at first. I'll come back and talk about them. Number one, the angel talked about a miraculous conception. And then the angel uh, talks concerning a messianic Christ. And then the angel makes a mighty claim. So you've got a a miraculous conception, a messianic Christ, and a mighty claim. Now, the magnitude of these three angelic points cannot be overlooked. First is the miraculous conception, the miracle of all miracles, that Mary's egg was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Meaning that Jesus is fully man and fully God. People ask the question, why do we celebrate the birth of this baby? I mean, every year in the United States, there's four million babies that come into our world. Why do we sing and worship the birth of this baby born in the Middle East 2,000 years ago? Why such a fuss? about one baby born to a peasant woman in a far distant land centuries ago. Why do we do that? Well, because this baby was born of woman and born of God. He's not half man and half God. He's fully man and he's fully God at the same time. Now look at verse 20. After he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. This is what's called the Immaculate Conception. Notice what the angel says next in verse 21. She will give birth to a what? A son. Now, this, they didn't have pregnancy tests back in those days. They didn't have those. They didn't have what we call today gender reveal parties. Didn't have that stuff. He just in this dream, this angel shows up and says, Mary is impregnated by the Holy Spirit. She's going to give birth to a son. You can paint the room blue. And you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people. I want you to say save his people. And what that means is this child is the Messiah. And not only is Jesus the Messiah, here's the mighty claim. He came, he came to save his people from their what? Their sin. Now, there's a little box in your notes. Jesus, that name, comes from a Hebrew name, Yehoshua. And Yehoshua is the Hebrew word. We kind of know the Aramaic version of that word yeshua but what that word means what jesus means is that 
The name itself means Yahweh, which was the name they had for God. Jesus means Yahweh saves, that God saves. You're to name this boy God saves. And again, when Jewish people thought about a Messiah who would save them, they were thinking of a military hero who would lead them to overthrow the Roman government. Obviously, Jesus wasn't a military hero that they were looking for. Instead, Jesus came. You've got to get this point. Jesus came to save God's people from an even greater enemy than Rome. The Messiah came not to save Israel from Rome. The Messiah came to save Israel, write this down, from their own sin. The purpose of Yeshua was God coming into this world as a baby, fully man, fully God. He lived a sinless life. He goes to the cross and he dies a sacrificial death to save people from their own sin and to give victory to people over their own sin thus would save Israel and bring joy to the Jewish people and bring joy to the whole world. Now in the midst of this big, essential, theological talking points from an angelic being that we read and discuss every year at Christmas, I want to use our remaining time looking at our third point of our outline. We've got big trouble from the start. We've got a big talk from an angel. But number three, get this point. There is big trust when it's easier to doubt. Big trust when it's easier to doubt. For me personally, this is just as equally as important as anything we've looked at so far. And most times we skip right over this next, this next major point. I want to read these verses to you. Look at verse 22. All of this, everything that we've talked about took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the what? Through the prophet. Verse 23. That the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? Turn to your neighbor and say, God is with us. Go ahead and say, God is with us. Turn to your neighbor and say, we are not alone. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. I've got three subpoints. They're all critical to our study. Number one, the scriptures don't lie. The scriptures don't lie. I really believe that most of you already know and understand the big talk from the angel. But there are those, there have to be there, those here that kind of doubt some of this story. And I just say to you today, if you doubt any, like if you doubt the virgin birth, like you can't just, you just can't get your mind around that thought. If you doubt the fact that this is God coming into the world in the form of a baby and that he's fully man and fully God and you just can't get over the fact that the Savior of the entire world came from a little tiny town called 
Bethlehem. Listen, if you doubt any part of the Christmas story, all you need to do is study the scriptures. The scriptures don't lie. Verse 22 said that all of this came about to fulfill what the prophets had said. The proof is not in the pudding. The proof is in the prophets. And just study the scriptures. I've given you just four. There's hundreds of them. The Bible prophesied back hundreds of years before in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, that if the Messiah, when he ever arrives, he will be born of a virgin. You see that fulfilled in in this text in Matthew chapter 1, verse 22. The Bible prophesies in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, that the Messiah would come out of a little tiny town called Bethlehem. You see that prophecy fulfilled in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. In Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, it's prophesied that the Messiah would somehow come up out of Egypt. He would be born in Bethlehem, but he would come up out of Egypt. You see that fulfilled in Matthew chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. And then the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 15, that during that time, that there will be weeping in the land over children. And we know according to Matthew chapter 2 that that was fulfilled when Herod ordered all the male babies in, in Bethlehem and the vicinity to be killed. Everything in this story uh, was fulfilling what the prophets had foretold. Here's my second sub-point. God shows up in the midst of our mess. It's a major point that's very rarely talked about in the Christmas story. At this time, again, the world was in disarray. The Romans, corrupt government, was in charge. The Jewish people felt forsaken. God had not spoken to them through a prophet for 400 years. The temple had become a flea market. The central figure to our story is Mary, and she's pregnant out of wedlock. Joseph's heart is broken. He's in uh, despair. He's filing in his mind divorce papers. The girl of his dreams is unfaithful. He's broken. He's lonely, perhaps even bitter. And it's in that mess that God shows up. Emmanuel. God with us. Yes, there's this spiritual and theological side of this story that the Creator, God of the universe, enters into the world in the form of a baby, but there's a practical and pragmatic viewpoint that God willingly left the glories of heaven to come into our messed up world and into our messed up lives to be with us, to love us, to comfort us, to lead us, to provide us, and to bless us. Christmas is not just the fact that God was willing to help us in our mess. Far more importantly than being willing to, He actually wanted to help us in our mess. That in spite of our mess, that He desires to be with us. Did you know that even I get tired of being around me? But that God loves me, and God loves you, and He's willing to come into our mess because He wants to be with us for all of eternity, 
Can somebody praise the Lord because of that? On June 5th, 1978, there was a seven-year-old boy named Martin Turgeon who slipped off a wharf and fell into the Prairie River up in Canada. There were at least a dozen adults who saw him fall, struggling in the water before he sank and drowned. Not one of them dove in to rescue the boy. Why? Well, because just upstream there was a plant that dumped raw sewage into the river. The river was filthy and dangerous to one's health, so nobody jumped in to rescue Martin Turgeon. And it's easy for us at times to view God as one of the overlookers standing on the wharf of the Prairie River. We think that God thinks and says, I'm not diving into the mess of your life until you get out of that putrid river on your own. You see, I'm a holy God. So you clean your your act up first, and then I will accept you and embrace you and love you and help you. But in this text, in this story, we meet a God who says, I'm coming into your life before you clean yourself up, I'm coming after you in your mess and I will clean you and I will restore you and I will redeem you and I will love you today, tomorrow, and every day for the rest of time. What a radical idea. You know, a nice, decent God would say something like, you know what, I'll send somebody down there to help you. Like I'll send you maybe a sacred proverb or Maybe a couple of angels, I'll loan you. But Christmas shows us that God didn't just stand on the wharf and send someone else with some religious sayings. No, God himself personally jumped into the putrid waters because we were valuable to him. We are loved by him. We matter to him. That's crazy over-the-top love of God stuff right there. Look again at verse 24. Joseph wakes up. Now, if you see someone sleeping next to you, wake them up right now. They they need to get this last point here. Everybody say the word before. Before the dream, in his mind, he was leaning towards divorcing Mary, letting her raise the child alone. He was filing papers. He was moving on with his life, figuring out how to put the broken pieces of his life back together again. But that was before the dream. After the dream, after the big talk from the angel of God, he decides to stay in the relationship. And he he makes Mary his wife, and he decides to love her unconditionally and to raise the child and to love the child as his own. got to get this point. Joseph goes from being a man of the law back in verse 19 to being a man of grace here in verse 24. I want you to think about that. He goes from being a man of the law to being a man of grace. From the instant that Jesus arrives, Even at conception, he caused righteous people 
to rethink what it meant to be righteous. Joseph could have walked away and still be considered righteous. But God called him to a new standard of love, to a whole new way of being a good person. A good person is no longer someone who avoids sin and just follows all the rules. A good person is someone who follows the way of Christ and seeks to walk through people's messes with them. This past year, it's, it's been just one big mess. And many people have wondered, has, has God left us? Has God abandoned us? Some people have lost jobs. Some people have lost the ability to provide for their family. Some people have actually lost family members. And besides all the heartache and the pain of the pandemic, we live in a day and age where our culture is full of what's called functional atheists. You say, what's a functional atheist? A functional atheist is someone who says with their words that they believe in God. But by their actions, they live as though God doesn't even exist. They're functional atheists. Many people here have put their trust in other things other than God. They've put their trust in their wealth. They've put their trust in relationships. They put their trust in success or in food or in alcohol or at work. And if you're trusting in any other idol, if any other idol is your God, it means that you do not truly believe that Jehovah God exists and that He came to save. You certainly don't act like God lives inside of you by following those things. And believing, believing that God came to this earth, Emmanuel, God with us, and believing that God lives inside of us is the core of Christian faith. In the past, the Jewish people they believe that God lived up there at the temple where the flea market was going, up there in that little box called the Holy of Holies. They believe that's where God lived, and they would run up there once in a while and see Him and then leave. But today we know and understand that God, Emmanuel, came to dwell within each of us who believe that God is here. In the same way, think about it, Jesus himself was fully God and fully man. And somehow, in these fleshly bodies, God through his spirit comes and lives and dwells inside of us. It's, 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 it's a miracle that we live with each and every day of our life. Emmanuel, God with us. Write this down. Emmanuel, God with us. Well, in the flesh, well, he's just a baby. God came in the flesh. He's a baby. God with us as a redeemer means that Jesus is Savior. He came to save us from our sin. Amen? How many, how many of you are thankful about that? But God with us forever, because he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you, means that he's our friend. God is our friend. 
and he lives and dwells within each of us. If you were blessed by Pastor Dudley's message and would like to pray with someone, our phone counselors are available and ready for your call. Our number is easy to remember. You can call us at 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. If you would like more information about Pastor Dudley Rutherford, Shepherd Church, or this ministry, be sure to visit our website, liftupjesus.com. Our address again is liftupjesus.com. We live in the most distracted culture in the history of the world. We see about 10,000 messages every day. We even touch our phones about 2,000 times a day. We're literally being overwhelmed with information. That's why there's no better time than right now for Dudley Rutherford's remarkable new book, One Thing, Rediscover a Simpler Faith in Our Complicated World. In this timely book, Pastor Dudley invites you to open your Bible and look closely at seven key passages of Scripture where you'll find the beautifully uncomplicated phrase, One Thing. These Scriptures will quiet all the noise that you're hearing and call you back to a simpler faith. Dudley Rutherford has discovered the secret of how to focus our lives on the one thing that matters. What if you could find that simplicity? It's waiting out there, and this is your roadmap to freedom. Contact Lift Up Jesus today and get your copy of One Thing, the book that could finally change everything. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at this same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.